you, yeah, you, you who's listening to this podcast right now. Do you lie in bed at night reading fan fictions till the sun comes up? Or do you ever binge a show on Netflix and afterwards you just can't stop thinking about the characters? Or maybe you wish you could draw so you can make fan art of your favorite characters and make cool art friends? We've got a podcast for you. It's Phantom on the Phone! Hello and welcome to Fandom on the Phone, a show where we discuss all things fandom, whether it be fan fiction, fan art, fan size, fandom related issues, and other fandom related things. Now, we have a very special episode for you because, you know, all throughout the season, we've just been covering movies, reviewing movies, and telling you what we think of them, especially with the latest feminist movie from Disney. Can we even call it that? But today we will be going back to our roots and talking about fandom with you, which is what this show is all about, essentially. So, what are we going to be talking about today? Now, we all know that Disney just came out with a very recent show on Disney+, Plus, which is Loki. A great show about our favorite god of mischief and mayhem and just all-around chaotic, timey-wimey mess. But we're not here to talk about the show itself because the show is great. Like... What can you? What else can you ask for? Tom, Tom Hiddleston, Owen Wilson, time travel, timelines, wibbly wobbly, timey wimey, chaotic mess. It's it's a great show. It's a great show. But what's not great mm-hmm. is the fact that Disney, mm-hmm. Big Mouse himself, is trying to trademark Norse gods because apparently now they own the entire Norse mythology because they own Marvel. Ooh, I know, I know, you know, like, uh, maybe that's a bad move, you know, like Disney, you're trying to like copyright the Norse god of mischief. That's like, you're trying to jinx yourself, honey. Like, he's an actual Norse god and like actual people believe in and pray to, you know? And like, okay, this wasn't the first case also. Uh, This just, uh, we chose Loki because it was like blowing up, but like, uh, some years ago, back when Coco was a thing, they Disney tried to copyright Dia de los Muertos, a Mexican <laughs> holiday. Like, girly. Why? No. Why? Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And that also, like... Insane. Yeah, another case, uh, back in the 90s, uh, they tried to, well, copyright Hakuna Matata, a Swahilian phrase, but like their defense was like, okay, we're not trying to like copyright the word. We're like trying to copyright the song, which contains the word. But still, if you put a copyright on it, people can't just say it all willy nilly, you know? That's like the equivalent of you trying to just copyright the word hello. Hello. It's yep. me. Yep, yep. Ooh, Adele's, ooh, Adele's in hot waters if they try to do that. If and they also, try to do that. Yeah, and, lo- and like, all these parallels, like, what if, like, Disney tried to copyright Christmas? Of course, people would go bananas. And that's the same thing with Dia de los Muertos. And also, like, what if they tried to copyright Jesus? Yeah, that's, like, what's happening to Loki right now. So, that like- is <laughs> what's happening. That's true. That's very true. <laughs> you know, we're gonna get try to dive into things because it's not just an issue about Disney ruining culture. It's also an issue of like how this impacts on fandom and just humanity 
in general you know like it's a big big issue which we're gonna go dive into straight into with starting with this little loki case so what actually happened was that there was someone on redbubble selling loki merch and it got taken down by the site itself for fear of copywriting so it wasn't disney enroaching but it was more like this site was scared that like oh you're selling loki merch oh disney's like they don't want that even though it might not have been tom hilston per se but it would have been just like loki centered items which are technically norse mythology not marvel because the whole world doesn't revolve around disney like contrary yeah. to popular belief so yeah so they did that but this led to a whole other discussion on twitter when when they caught wind of it they just went into this whole speculation that disney might try to send cease and desist warrants to etsy creators now because they now own loki thor odin frigga Heimdall, all the asgardians because they now own marvel so the whole family tree you know and mind you norse mythology has been around way longer than walt disney and the big mouse you know so if they're if whether this is true or false it's still raising concern and what is true is the fact that fans have started a change.org petition to stop disney from trademarking norse gods like i kid you not this is a real thing if you want to find it if you want to <laughs> donate go ahead it's on twitter maybe let us know if it actually reaches the okay so uh moving on from that like we have to stop and then like think about it like how did we get here you know you know that meme with like the dude and like uh trying to like push a domino which is like this small and then like the last domino is like the size of a door like the the last domino is just disney trying to own gods Right to be gods themselves, but like let's go to let's go back to the smallest domino in this little chain. You know what's what's the original? Uh, what's the origin story? This is what we usually call uh, Walt Disney's villain origin story. So, uh, cue dramatic music. You know. <laughs> okay, so uh, this is a good uh, this is a good essay from uh, Wisecrack. So basically, uh, Walt Disney's first success. Uh, was a cartoon rabbit called Oswald, Oswald the Rabbit. So, and this was his first ever success from when he moved to LA. You know, he had no money. He only had dreams and hope. You know, wide-eyed creator, and like he was so happy that Oswald the Rabbit got uh, popular. But the boss that he was working under, and uh, no, the, yeah, the boss he, that he was working under saw how popular Oswald the Rabbit became. And then Oswald the Rabbit got stolen by the boss. And yeah, everything was taken away. The characters and then the animators that works for Walt, all of it were taken. And then, okay, cue dramatic music now. <laughs> and from that day on, he vows to never let anything he created get stolen again. Legit. Legit. Da, da, da. <laughs> Q, yeah. Q spotlight yeah. on Walt Disney's face looking enraged. Yeah. Yeah. Dude promised that anything he creates under his name shall not be taken for granted again. Now, okay, so uh snowballing from that. So 
Disney has made an empire uh, out of themselves, of course, through oh. animation. And the reason why they made this empire is because of their signature look. Okay, mm. so cartoons back in the days are usually like more harsh, you know, black and white, and they usually look more scary, look more violent. Uh, if you want an in-depth uh, story about this, you can just simply look at Bendy and the Ink Machine. It was inspired by an actual animation studio that got bankrupt because their art style was too gritty and like the kids don't really like it which mm. is where disney came in with their very cute and adorable roundish face like you know pink blush all over and it's like perfect for kids you know mm. yeah and yeah uh he implemented this signature look to hundreds and hundreds of fairy tale stories of course like snow mm. white uh, the little mermaid and pinocchio you know and uh here's the thing uh i don't know if you've noticed but like all these original fairy tales that disney took from don't really go the way that the disney studio portrayed you yeah. know they yeah. they don't have happy endings most of them have really really gruesome endings i mean pinocchio didn't turn into a real boy he uh he uh got the old a noose around his neck and then yep yep he's he 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 got hung yep mm. and like the little mermaid didn't get the prince and like yeah all of these stories that they shaped to be like cutesy and like love conquers all and all of that is not real and like they disney took all of these really gruesome stories and then mangled them up with love and care up to the point of no recognition whatsoever yeah yeah and and you know like as someone who has been poisoned by disney's propaganda uh myself i would say that like it's like when you try to bake a cake and you put in you follow the original recipe but then you put in so much sugar that it can legit cause you to have diabetes because of how sweet it is. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, so from the uh, betrayal of Oswald the Rabbit and also their cutesy wootsy mangled up cake, uh, uh, mangled up cake uh, technique of creating films, these mm -hmm. two factors, uh, this created a push of Disney taking everything, making it theirs, you know, and then leave nothing for the rest. And then, like, this developed from fairy tales, you know, back in the old, uh, back in the golden age of Disney. And then, uh, recently, it starts to stem to history and actual people's culture. You know, Mulan, Pocahontas, and, you know, Loki, and Thor, and all the Norse gods. Like, these are actual people with actual history, you know? And, like, yeah. sometimes the stories that they have, you know, doesn't really end with happy endings. Love doesn't always necessarily conquers all. I mean, it's sometimes bravery, it's sometimes betrayal, it's sometimes grief. Like, there's all these emotions, and yet they strip, uh, they strip the really deep meanings of these people's history and culture. And then just leaving it as a little... A little Blob. present with the bow on top, you know, with a mini yeah. mouse bow on top. <laughs> yeah, that's that's really true. I mean, like, and I think this kind of stemmed further, you know, like how you know the phrase that Disney owns your childhood. 
well, oh. it's kind of becoming a reality at this point mm-hmm. because they've bought they've bought Star Wars, they've bought Marvel, they've bought 20th Century Fox. What don't they own this these days? Well, I mean, oh, don't jinx it, Trisha. One day, maybe, like, oh. you might say that my soul belongs to Disney or something. And oh, God, no. Oh. no don't jinx it. That's a dark, dark place <laughs> to go. But yeah, anyway. Yeah. We yeah, that's the whole context provided about Disney's origin villain origin story because now they are taking everything for themselves. Um, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, you be the judge of that. We're not here to judge Disney. We're here to talk about how this is affecting us, the fandom. So why is this a big issue for us? Why should be we be concerned about Disney copyright Norscots and um trying to own everything? Well, we all know that fandom has become this big phenomenon. Like, it's not just about proclaiming yourself as a fan or owning DVDs or, oh my god, DVDs. What are we in the 90s? (laughs) Like, who owns DVDs these days? (laughs) Like, just it's not just about owning action figures and stuff that's being sold by the big mouse. It's about producing your own works. As we've talked about in previous episodes in the first season, we talked about how fans can play around with these characters and experience them like in real life. Like if you ever wondered what butterbeer tastes like, you can always try to mix up your own, you know, and try to replicate it. And you can also like you can also design your very own house like House of Targaryen you know, banners, hang them up on your wall. So those kinds of things, you know, fandom is is about creating your own artwork and writing your own stories, like with fan fiction and all those other things, like so much, so much stuff comes into fandom. So we all know that fandom, we're, well, fans, they like to create artwork and they sell unofficial merch. Like you see them at conventions, you see people selling postcards and pins and just all that all that stuff that you see and it's usually sold at very cheap prices because they're selling it for other fans they're selling it for the community so so it makes sense why they would be sold at very cheap prices there's not much that they gain besides feeling happy for making that for making those merch you know like if i want if i were to create um if i were to print out a hanagram fan art <gasps> let's say if i were mm. able to draw and then i would sell it to my friend nasa here she Ooh. would probably knowing that she's a huge fan i would not try to capitalize i would not be like the original creators i would not try to se- sell it for like 500k or more i would sell it to her for 15k because i want her to enjoy it you know some mm. people even give it out for free i have okay personal story time i have this friend who is obsessed with the anime yuri on ice and she, she legit, when she heard that I was watching the show, she legit, like, gave me her fan comics, her pins, and her posters for free. Like, legit, no price. Oh, wow. Jelly. <laughs> <laughs> and that goes, just goes to show, like, I, I asked her, like, is this really okay? And she said, like, I'm happy that you enjoy this, and I'm, I want to share my happiness with you. So that's really what fandom creators get from this. Happiness. Personal fulfillment. There's no capitalism in here, you know? Fandom isn't mm-hmm. just a capitalism machine like the big <laughs> creators want you to believe. We're just numbers to them, you know? 
But we, we are so much more than that. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, the anime fanzines, the unofficial K-pop post, uh, photo cards that you find online, they are all unofficial and they are all, they can be subject to copyright because when you think about it, even though it's fun and even though it's creative, it's still breaching copyright laws in the legal mm-hmm. sense. Mm-hmm. So, so when you the next time you think about buying a lightsaber online that's super duper cheap, obviously not licensed by Disney, even though it's good, it's a good thing for you and for the creator for supporting the creator. But if Disney wanted to sue you, they can they can do it because it's legally liable, you know. And uh-huh. so this is how fandom this is how creators can kind of enroach on this fandom culture. Because technically, they own it. What we're doing, what we're selling, they own it. And so, recently, these days, co- companies don't really try to sue creators because there's so many of us. Because there's so much work out there. There's so like if you see someone selling Baby Yoda T-shirts online, there's bound to be fifty other people selling Baby Yoda shirts online. And if Disney wanted to like sue them all, that would take a whole lot of hassle and a whole lot of work, which they don't want to do. And they're basically stealing from very, you know, they're they're, sm- they're basically stealing from small business owners, is what they're doing. Also, yeah, and also, yeah, and also, again, you don't sue your fans. You don't want to be the companies that's known to sue your fans. Yes. That's like that's like a major that's like a major bully move. That's like a, ma- a major like evil corporation thing to do it's never good for business yeah you see your fans you lose your fans and you lose your money you know uh-huh. so so really it's it's gone it's gone so wide like like just the whole fandom activity it's gone so wide to the fact that it's not just merch anymore there are people like they're legit there are 300 real world quidditch teams at universities worldwide wait. quidditch no Quidditch. wait wait actual Quidditch themes wait yes. wait how do, wait how does that even work <laughs> like wait how do you how do you even play Quidditch in real life wait so from my understanding we use a broom and we hit it with a racket and then we kind of it's a cross between I think like like football or rugby and like tennis kind of way so like you have the little you have the little secrets like the the little what's it called the shellcock and then you also have the big ball which you put into the hoop you know that kind of that kind of stuff i wouldn't know because i haven't been to offline college at all so i don't know how to play quidditch even though i am technically part of the harry potter club so yes you know it's possible and they sell they sell butterbeer too at like events and stuff so you know wow and they also have harry potter yoga i think there was that one center or was it doctor who yoga but like they have that kind of thing, you know, where they name moves after spells. How does that work? Okay, how does that work? Wait, like <laughs> honestly, I I also have no idea. Like I have never tried Harry Potter yoga, but there are also other things like pop up bars that are like Star Wars themed, you know, like the cantina, like the cantina that they have in the original Star Wars, and then there's also friends cafes. So it's really a whole experience. But still, people are gaining money from it because. It's a business, you know, but it's not as mm-hmm. expensive as like if you were to go to a cantina bar in Disneyland, you know, and 
Uh huh. So, so like, there have been so many of these th- uh, events or um, fandom themed uh, establishments. Like, there was this one Tolkien summer camp that was created, mm-hmm. and they, you know, they just wanted to have fun. They just wanted to ha- to, you know, um, experience summer like the like the Lord of the Rings characters and then their their creators just went oh no we're not gonna let you spend your summer like the hobbit we're gonna pull this off we're gonna we're gonna sue the hell out of it and you can't you can't go on you know oh, that sucks oh, that sucks yeah like okay first off like what do you gain from that it's a summer camp it's a summer camp like you don't you don't make profits out of summer camp okay it's like it's just an outing it's like the equivalent of camping Like, what if we just say it like, okay, we're going to label this as camping, but we're going to camp at little like hobbit houses to just avoid copyright, you know? But like, oh, that oh, that sucks. That sucks. <laughs> I mean, like, if you do that, like, you're just gatekeeping creativity. Again, going back to the argument, you don't want to be known as the company that gatekeeps your fans to have fun to make. To make believe to pretend you know it just threatens your creativity and it just it just like eliminates all competition which isn't really actually good you know yeah and most of the times these fans create these stuff out of sheer goodwill you know they're not trying to like make profit out of it they're just trying to have fun and the the way that this copyright works is that like it just uh it just suppresses your freedom to just you know simply be a geek yes. simply just geek out about yeah. the stories we love okay but like here's the other question why are they getting more aggressive you know like we all we already know about disney but like other studios like you said like warner bros and you know Other studios are starting to get more aggressive, even though even though back in the past, like you can make merch all willy nilly, you can sell merch all willy nilly. So, so these days, the many many of the many of the creators of these big fandoms, they see they see that they they're losing money because their fans are essentially making money off of the things that they should be doing. It's like. When let's say let's say I decide to make lightsabers, and you know I decide to make lightsabers somehow I come up, come up with a way to capture light somehow, or maybe I just use light sticks like any other peasant, and <laughs> and I decide to sell these for like I don't know 50k or something, and then Disney sees me doing it and says, wait a second, we could do that, we could sell lightsabers just like her, and then they decide to make their own like super sophisticated lightsabers for like. A million more, um, like a million and a half, and then they decide to sell it. But then, because people are buying my cheap lightsabers, they can't sell theirs to everyone because it's super expensive. So they're gonna have to stop me from continuing to sell my light stick lightsabers so that they can sell theirs, which are super expensive. So that's kind of the thing. Basically, monopoly. But like, yeah. But here's the thing. Here's the argument. You already have money. You're a multi-billion company. Like, why do you need to stoop that low to just cut the flow of just like 50k when you have like millions and millions? Like, okay, here's the thing. Uh, I think the argument of like um, companies like trying to 
shut down small theaters just ridiculous uh, just because they're cutting sales it's just ridiculous like there are still genuine fans who have the money who can buy those official merch because like well they're official you know like it doesn't stop them from buying official merch like right. there are still the market for it so just leave the small creators alone like god it's just so evil you know when did the things that we like become so evil <laughs> right and what's so ironic about it is that the the in, the law of intellectual property like wherever it is whether it be in the US or Japan or Korea or anywhere it was it was designed to stimulate more creativity and like artwork for humanity to enjoy it it's made so that we can create more and enjoy more you know but now it's being used to limit that creativity by these big companies and not just limit but also commodify it you know because to them we're just numbers we're just a we're just an audience that they try to target and gain money from because that's essentially how capitalism works the strongest Ooh. survive oh oh you know It's emo hours in fandom on the phone. Of course it is. It's always emo hours. <laughs> But yeah, so that's so that so that's the whole stint of intellectual co- copyrights and fan experiences. Is it legal to to create your own wants and sell it online? No. Does it make you happy? Yes. So I think that's I think that's the main takeaway from all that. You know. It's not it's not legal but it's also inevitable <laughs> you know so what have we learned today yeah um well i mean what do we learn today that well from the red bubble case from the beginning we can see that like disney and other companies is uh, and are taking action towards like small creators and well honestly What we should do now is just overwhelm them. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> that's the conclusion I'm trying to pull here. Because like, uh, if you make so many, uh, so many merch, up to the point, uh, so much merch, up to the point that like th- these companies can't even sue one by one, that means we won, you know. So like, overwhelm them, you know. Eat the rich. <laughs> well said. Like. <laughs> Keep making your Baby Yoda hand puppets and your Butterbeer remix because once they realize there's too many of them, they're just not gonna go. They're not gonna bother with one by one. So that's that's the moral of the story. Another thing, another thing. When you oh, think, yeah, yeah. It, <laughs> when you think about it, Disney is essentially creating their own fan fiction and trying to copyright it. When you think about it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah. There's the thing. There's uh from the from the beginning of the podcast, like they took fairy tales with actual canon endings, and then they like, hey, you know what? I don't like this. Like, sounds familiar. Sounds familiar, fellas. That's you. That's you sitting down watching a movie, and then like thinking like, oh, you know what? This could be. This could be sweeter. You know, this could end more well, or like maybe like the story is not enough. Let's make this. Let's make more content out of this, and then you create fan fiction. So, like, what we're getting off here is that Disney is just trying, is just making their own fan fiction and copyright it because they can, 
because they have the money. They're basically hypocrites. They are. Oh my god. Oh my god. That is so true. That is what you should take away from this podcast is that Disney copyrights its own fan fiction. So, let us know what you think of this whole copyright mess. Let us know in our DMs at fan underscore on the phone. And thank you for sticking with us throughout this episode. We'd also like to thank our sponsors, Kim Communications and Finity for sponsoring our podcast. So, tune in next week and remember folks, it's fiction. Well, except when it comes to copyright, but yeah, it's fiction. Yay. <laughs> oh my god. So yeah, we will see you on the next episode. Bye-bye. Bye.